Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with the best of Steve Allen. Morning, Steve Allen here with you this Sunday morning. Coming up at six, in conversation, joined by two fantastic guests. First up, one of my favourite actresses, currently starring in one of my favourite films of the year. That's Emily Watson. Also joining me, comedienne Lucy Porter, who came in to talk about her new stand-up tour. Now, that's at six. But first, my best bits from the week. And this week, I made a revelation that I never thought I'd make. I actually trust my bank a lot. I really do trust my bank, because I'm with RBS. I probably shouldn't, out of all the banks, not to trust. RBS would probably be the one, but I've always found them excellent. I've never had any problem with them at all. I know other people say they get problems, but uh, I tend not to. And when I wanted to move after we nearly became Santander, no thank you, I don't want to be part of a Spanish building society. I was part of a, part of a Scottish bank. And so then you told me, I think you, the listeners, said to me, you know you can opt out and they can transfer your account to RBS up in Scotland, in Edinburgh. So I did. I went into the bank. I picked up a form. I filled it in, just fairly straightforward. Do you wish to transfer your account? Yes. And they said, well, when, just before it goes through for Santander, we'll transfer your account up to Scotland. Which, of course, doesn't make any difference where it is. It's all up in the air, isn't it? Bank accounts. It's not physically sitting there with my name on it with a load of money sitting in a pigeonhole. Doesn't work like that. Well, no, certainly not in the case of RBS. It might uh, might for you as well. The diabetes, no cranberry or cherry juice for you. No, I, I did take it down for my brother, the, the cherry concentrate, to sort his gout out. If it works, it'll be a miracle of all miracles, and you'll be the first lot to know. But for me, no cranberry, no um, grapefruit juice either. Not allowed grapefruit. It specifically says on my medication, do not drink grapefruit juice. In fact, there's, there's, there's no pleasure at all. I'm afraid of being a diabetic now. I mean, at one time it was it was okay. Now it's there's absolutely nothing at all. There's nothing I, I can look forward to eating. I mean, even I, I went to Marks and Spencer the other day and I had a chocolate milkshake in a bottle, Belgian chocolate. I looked at years ago. I'd have bought that. I'd have bought a chocolate milkshake bottle and then gone home and drunk the whole thing. Not now. I just sort of look. Sometimes I just pick it up, lovingly caress it, and put it back on the shelf again. It's awful, isn't it, really? I'm, I'm trying to be good. I'm not, I'm not particularly great at it, as you can well imagine, I'm afraid. Uh, poor Sir Chris Bonington. He's, he's done everything. He's a world-famous adventurer, but he's now facing the toughest challenge of his life. His wife is dying. Yes, Wendy uh, has been diagnosed with motor neurons disease. Oh. It's just absolutely awful. He's a veteran of 19 expeditions to the Himalayas. They've been together more than 50 years and they've got two sons. Just a very lucky person who gets to the end of their life or that, you know, that advance in years without actually contracting anything. The more I read about people, I've got this um, uh, injection to have. I've got to go to a hospital for a referral. It's specifically for diabetics, I think, who are slightly overweight. And it's an injection which will act as a suppressant. The, uh, one of the side effects could be, could be, it's a big could, could be, not would be, but could be, pancreatic cancer. It's kind of like, it's, you sort of think, I know there are side effects with a lot of tablets, but this has been, this has been an injection doing the rounds for about five years. But, you know, pancreatic cancer doesn't sound like a load of barrel full of laughs as far as I'm concerned. Uh, anybody hoping to date newly single Kelly Osborne has to, uh, has to get through Sharon first. Don't worry, Sharon, you won't be needed. Nobody's going to be beating a path to Kelly Osborne's door, I'm afraid. She just she have no interest to anybody. Foul-mouthed, rude, and deeply unattractive. However, talking of deeply unattractive, glamour model Katie Price turned up to a film premiere in a beanie hat, trainers and baggy tracksuit bottoms. In other words, the same old bag lady she's always been. She can't dress for toffee, but she's obviously seen a picture of Cara Delevingne wearing a similar outfit and thinks that she can look good in it. She just looks cheap. It's, it's a shame, really, there's not much you can do about it. Because some people... Now, I mean, I'm not one of those people who can wear clothes. I mean, I do, I do wear clothes, quite clearly. But, you know, if, if, if I put a suit on, I just look like I'm going for a job in Hepworths. Some people suit suits. I'm not one of them. I don't suit a... People think I'm going for a job interview. So my, my wardrobe tends to be sort of pretty basic... It's just jeans and shirts, and if I need to wear a decent pair of trousers, because my weight fluctuates, I go out and buy another pair of trousers. So I've got, I've got no end of um, no end of, of trousers in different shapes and sizes. <laughs> Keeps me happy. Oh, and uh, Danny Cohen, who's, uh, as you know, the uh, TV director for the place down the road, he said he is sick to death of seeing panel shows with only men on them. He wants to see more women 
on panel shows. All we've got is Sandy Toxic, Sue Perkins, uh, Joe Brand and a couple of other people. There aren't that many funny women on the television who can hold their own together with the men. He also wants to see uh, older women on the television and, and people, you know, he just wants to see women better represented. Because I'm assuming that they don't, they don't have many women on the television. And there's a reason. A, they don't want to be there. You find a lot of women working in the background, producing and uh, writing scripts and everything else, but you just don't see that many women on the chat shows. It does tend to be the same ones. It's like at one time, I thought the only person who was ever available for a chat show was Rufus Hound. Because every time you turned on a chat show, there's Rufus Hound again. It's like, you know, the other day, we sort of turned on, and there's, there's poor old Peter Andre again, still flogging this, this naff single. Has it hit the charts yet? Has Peter Andre hit the charts with his new single? Uh... It's, it's, I don't know when it's released, I'm not sure. It comes from a film uh, of which I mean, I'm reliably informed that they've only used Peter Andre on the film version here. In America, they've used somebody else. Why that would make a difference, I've got no idea, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, tip for key t- keeping gout away, says Peter. Get a lemon, wash it, put it in the freezer when frozen. Great on all your food, it's worked for me. What, lemon? Did you see this thing the other day on QI that... <laughs> Stephen Fry had this spray. I think it was spray or fruit. And you put it in your mouth and you work it all the way around so it coats your tongue. And then it makes things taste sweet. They then gave them half a lemon and they were eating it. And they said, oh, it tastes like orange. It's delicious. They were actually eating raw lemons. My 10-year-old goddaughter can eat raw lemons. I just stand in front of her going, don't do it, Dan. Don't do it. Oh, it's lovely, Uncle Steve. But this is, Stephen Fry said, isn't that interesting that you could eat a lemon after you've coated your tongue with this particular fruit and all of a sudden things taste sweeter, which is good. After you uh, talked about painting for free, I'm a recent widow, Steve. I work, no benefits, no children, just getting on with it. Yes, I, I agree. Um, oh, did he, did he sing another song? Another word, boring, says Ray and Bobby. This is Peter Andre on uh, yesterday. He says, talking about his girlfriend and Kiddy Wink. Oh, no. I mean, I don't see it last day. I'm not, I'm not being rude. I'm just, I'm just going by his track record. I think that's why he's not got married. If he had any intention of getting married, he actually would have got married before now. You know, the moment she was out, she was pregnant, he'd be going, let's get married. But, of course, they've already sold one bit of the story, which is the birth of the baby, and they've shown you pictures of this gorgeous little thing and because all his children are so great looking and then the next thing i'm assuming they'll have to sell pictures of the of the wedding and then you'll see who the celebrity friends are let's face it the best jordan could manage was vanessa feltz i mean you don't want to invite somebody who's going to eat you out of house and home do you at the wedding reception you know, she's shoving it in boxes and handbags. I mean, take it on outside, get, get some more food in. No, it doesn't work like that at all, I'm afraid. So that's how Peter will make his next piece of money. It will be sending, um, sending the wedding pictures to OK Magazine. magazine. Uh, have you had your northern dialect training, says Enfield, uh, says Howard, sorry, in Enfield. Remember from Wednesday, no talking about whippet and pigeon talk. Why, eh? Hello? I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know. I should imagine people up north are going to be just as interested in the stories that we have in our newspapers, because they're all national newspapers, as everybody else is. I mean, there can't be many people who don't know who Jordan is. It's just that because they, they don't have programmes like this anywhere, as far as I know, on the radio, I don't think anywhere has a programme like this, they're going to be absolutely crackers for it in Blackpool. The time Paul in Manchester has pushed it around a little bit, it's going to be unbelievably good. Um, the reason you're bad from grapefruit juice, says Jen, isn't so much sugar. No, no, it's, it's not the sugar at all. It's because uh, the, uh, the enzymes in grapefruit can stop your medication working. I know that one, actually. I know that one. But the funny thing is, I used to love grapefruit. Pink grapefruit juice, for me, was that wake-me-up thing in the morning. Oh, absolutely delicious. Absolutely delicious. But uh, not now. Uh, talking diabetes, have you ever used an insulin pub, says Paul? As they can be quite expensive to buy. Happy birthday to Teddy. Actually, Neil also uh, wrote to me. I shall find it in one second, actually. Wait a minute, here it is. Happy birthday, little, little Teddy. He says uh, it's uh, his first birthday. Great party for him yesterday, which was complimented by the wonderful magician Mike Allen. Thanks to Winnie for putting us in touch. He did lots of close-up tricks, making things appear, disappear. The rain wasn't one of them. Card tricks, rope tricks, fantastic. Little Ellie was mesmerised by all the tricks. And she says, hi to Uncle Steve. I don't know where the last year has gone. It has flown by. 
So how's the blood count? If you don't start looking after yourself, he says, I'm going to send Noreen round to give you a good talking to. Seriously, take heed. Don't ignore the warning signs. We, your fans, want lots more years of hearing your dulcet tones. I know, it's, it's, the, it's the sugar levels I can't get down at the moment. I don't know why. I don't know why they've gone through the roof all of a sudden. So I'm going to try a couple of little tactics today and see how we, how we get on. But now we know there's more diabetics, and there's and about 860,000 of you who are diabetic who have not been diagnosed. In other words, you probably don't know you've got it. You probably think that these feelings that you've got inside your stomach are actually quite, quite normal. They're not, I'm afraid. They're not. Uh, very funny, TB's life story. Yes, I saw that with, with Piers Morgan. It was very, very interesting. And I did pass by Euston Tower. Our Lindsley worked there too, says little Julie. Lovely. What do we do most of in this country? We complain. We complain about the weather. We complain about service. We complain about the state of the roads. We complain about cyclists. The one thing we do is complain because we're cheesed off. And believe it or not, we're cheesed off. We make 30 Eight million complaints in a year. That is equivalent to one... I think it's one complaint every 1.2 seconds. Mainly to do with shoddy service, which we don't like. Uh, energy companies. Uh, people have gone to the, the ombudsman about retailers, internet service providers, transport and tour operators. 38 million complaints last year there were. But I think that's good. I think that's good that we complain. I'm always the first one to complain. If you don't get to, there's a way of complaining. There's a way of complaining. If you, if you go into a shop and start shouting at them or sending abusive texts and emails, then you're not going to get anywhere. But if, if you're nice to somebody and explain it to them, that this isn't what you ordered, it's, it's here, there, 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 then they will sort it out. It's in companies' best interests. But unfortunately, because we don't know how to complain, there must be a book out there. There's probably a book called How to Complain. And you just write letters. Sometimes you, you sort of flatter them at the same time. Say, listen, I love your company, really. As I will be doing on Wednesday morning, I shall all of a sudden be loving Blackpool. Just to go no further, it's only a joke. The people in Blackpool will have the faintest idea. They'll just think, this is nice. Somebody's come on the radio saying how much they love Blackpool. And that will be me. But remember, it is just a joke. We'll have a quick break here. But in a few minutes, I'll be discussing the celebs that you want for your Valentine's Day. This is LBC. This is LBC with the best of Steve Allen. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with the best of Steve Allen. Earlier this week, we didn't just start transmitting nationally, but we were taking international messages too. Uh, Listening in San Francisco says, Sue, you are my secret pleasure. I'm poised to hear Nick smack the bottle of champagne over the uh, over the bow of the ship for the launch. Well, I think he'll be bringing... I'm, I'm surprised, actually, we haven't got balloons in the studio, because upstairs in the office you can't move. It's like Balloon City. It's like, you know, all these balloons. It's like that great film from years ago, The Red Balloon. Did you remember see it? The Little Kid in France. It was a silent film, but it had all the... Th- but there was no, no talking about a boy who became friendly with a balloon. It's, such, it's a very old film. I think it must be out in the, uh, out in the 60s. You can buy it. It's on DVD. It's looking a bit dated. And the, the balloon befriends this boy and follows him everywhere. And this boy takes it to school. The balloon goes and sits up in, you know, up in the high window. And then when the boy comes out of school, it floats back down again. It's a balloon with a life of its own. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. It's very good. And then I'd, I'll tell you the ending of the film. I don't normally do spoilers. So here's a spoiler alert. At the end of the film, some yobbos, when the boy is out, decide with their catapults, and you don't see people with catapults anymore, to hit his balloon. And they hit, he hits the balloon, and the balloon dies. Before his very eyes, this little boy who's about 10 or 11, and it just disappears. And then from all over Paris, or wherever this place is, it's certainly in France, hundreds and thousands of balloons all come down for this little boy. All out the sky, all these balloons, little kids who are walking, all of a sudden their balloon works free and it comes down to a little boy and he gathers all the string together and they lift him up and they, they float away with him. It's a very touching little film. Only short film, but very, very cute. Who shapes up best as the best Valentine date? Here we go. They obviously decided to ask a few people. Uh, at, number, at number five in the top five men that you would want for your Valentine's Day. I think Ollie Mann did this. Who is your favourite celebrity crush? Which is quite sweet. Uh, number five is Brad Pitt. Four is Gary Barlow. As long as he doesn't play the piano, I think you're all right. Uh, George Clooney at number three. 
slightly odd. Johnny Depp at number two. I think that'd be quite interesting. But your top man is Davy Boy Beckham. See, it's funny. Harry Styles not there at all. I thought Harry Styles would be here, but obviously not. And in the uh, in the girly section, number five, Michelle Keegan. She's so going to be single later in the year. I've just got this feeling. Uh, number four, Rihanna. Three, Jennifer Aniston. Well, a bit, a bit naff now, isn't it, really? And number two, Katy Perry. And number one, Holly Willoughby. I think that that's OK, isn't it? She seems she seems fairly harmless and personable. Quite like Holly Willoughby. Uh, sadly, at the moment, because old Pip Schofield is taking a break from television. Please, God, forever. And um, so they've got... Uh, hi, you... Christine Bleakley doing it with her. It's not quite the same, I'm afraid. Not quite the same. I mean, you know, what would it take to stop this strike? If only for the sake of Londoners. I realise that the rest of the country could be affected as well. You might have come down to it. The one thing I've noticed in London, and I've only noticed it over the last couple of years, is every day you see people, uh, and it was evident to me, at Winter Wonderland in Hyde Park the big fun fair, which which we love going to every year. I know that they have them all over the place. I think they have a, an equally big one in Glasgow. They might even have it in Manchester, I don't know. But people dragging their cases around. And these are people who've come to London for a weekend break, and then they've uh, they've checked out the hotel. As opposed to leaving the case there, they drag it around with them. And some people have got, like, two or three cases, dragging them around on wheels. The traipse all the way down to the station, only to discover, as people did yesterday, I was at Waterloo Station... And people were getting on the Windsor and Eaton 7.28 train, because I know the times of trains. There's a Reading train at 7.20, which is quite fast for me living in Twickenham. And the 7.28 is the Windsor and Eaton Riverside train. So all the people get on it. And I was sort of sitting there because I was waiting for a later train. And, uh, and all of a sudden I heard the announcement, uh, this is the 7.28 Windsor and Eaton Riverside train, which will be terminating at Staines. And the reason it's terminating at Staines is because of flooding. And the flooding down there is over the line, so consequently, trains are not getting on to the extra... It must be a nightmare if you live out there. Very pretty in Windsor and Eton, but the Thames, and you'll see it on the front of the Express this morning, has now created a huge lake in the shadow of Windsor Cut. It always amazes me that you have a lake, which is a field. Next thing, swans appear on there, ducks, Canada geese... Egyptian, everything, it's like they've always been sitting there for ages and ages and ages. Even the, the Queen's aid has had to flee the Thameside home. It's a guy called Paul Wybrow, who's one of the Queen's favourite servants. And uh, he lives, um, I think, with Rachel Gordon in a beautiful house at Windsor Home Park in Berkshire. The Queen returned to Windsor yesterday after an eight-week break eight week break at Sandringham, to find floods had reached the two turreted properties and estate workers putting down sandbags' defences. It's dreadful. I mean, the castle itself is completely high and dry. You know, there's, there's no chance, unless it rises about a 1,000 feet, that they're ever going to get up there at all. Uh, areas in Home Park have flooded, including a number of private homes. And so now, Paulo Paul Wybrew has now got it in his garden and everything. But the actual doors leading into the house are safe. So that, But, of course, the worrying thing is that round the bottom of the property, there's all the air bricks. And the air bricks could let the water in. So what do you do? Do you quickly go and get out the sandbags, put them inside, and uh, then try and make sure that the, uh, that the property doesn't get wet? Talk about things rising. There's a, a public toilet... And I think it's um, it's off the Edgware Road, as far as I know, in northwest London. It's in Edgware, actually. And some Romanians have moved into it. What they've actually done is they've fitted it out with a double bed, a TV aerial, home entertainment system, and they've tapped into the electricity to run the cooker. I find it unbelievable that these... It's like... They're almost like shop squatters, but in a in an old toilet, which is up for sale by auction. And I think there were 15 of them... And they've actually shown how mass migration is causing a housing crisis. So these, uh, these, these people decide, here is an empty building. You know, I suppose in Romania, empty building means move in, change it. But it's still connected to the electric. Why, you know, they haven't turned it off, I've got no idea. An empty building with a guide price of about £300,000, really, to be honest with you, should be boarded up and stay boarded up. But they've managed to break into it. But because it's coming up for auction and because it's an empty toilet, nobody really bothers about it. It's a shame, really. I mean, there's so many empty buildings, you know, and people are more than happy to, to adapt. I went through Regent's Park the other day, and there's a man living in the bushes in Regent's Park. He's actually he's got a little tent 
hidden in the bush. Producer thinks it's him. Uh, living in a little tent in there. And he just walks through, through the... Nobody's ever... Nobody's, because then nobody thinks to look through the bushes. It's only because we saw him coming out that we suddenly realised he was in. He's got a little chair and everything else in there. Sits there quite happily. But we can't have things like that. We don't want people moving in and squatting, be it in a public toilet or be it in uh, anything else, I'm afraid. Definitely not. Somebody just sent this one in, which I, I thought just sort of just made me smile a little bit. I don't often smile. Well, I do smile at things. Um, did, I don't know if you read the story in the paper today about the archaeologists in Egypt. Uh, they've just recently found a mummy perfectly preserved in praline chocolate and crushed nuts. The archaeologist believes he's found the original Pharaoh Rocher. <laughs> it's an old one, but it's a cracker. <laughs> For this, it's the best you're going to get at this price. Uh, I'm your generation, 33 and a half. That's good. Uh, a lot of people are talking still about the the giraffe, the giraffe from yesterday, and and saying it was just wrong on so many on so many different levels. Uh, somebody says, "How does Dynamo turn water into ice?" Oh God, if only I could tell you. I can't tell you things like that. How does he levitate? I can't tell you. There's no point. There's no point. It always ruins it. I always think. Best you never know how things are done. You watch people, you know, magicians with a, with a pack of cards. But, but television, you, could, it's, it's, you, you can get away with all sorts of things on, on telly. Here is this flat. You're going to love it. This is no bigger than the average family sitting room. Uh, apart from the fact it's in Mayfair, which is quite nice. It's got a very tight little gallery, which is your kitchen. And it's got a sitting room and it's got space for a double bed. 461 square feet. So we're not talking big here. One bedroom, tiny kitchen, bathroom and living room. And the estate agent, ironically, comes from Weatherall Estates. He says, I think there's going to be a lot of interest. A few years ago, you could find a property like this for 250000 But the entry level, a one-bedroom flat in Mayfair, is now a million pounds. On top of that, the service charge is £3,000 a year. I pay less than that. Uh, it's, uh, they say the Ritz Hotel in one direction, Green Park in Mayfair in the other. Nobu, a restaurant frequented by celebrities. Oh, anybody goes to Nobu. It's not that exciting. But they sort of try and sell it as, oh, you know, that's, that's why people will pay a million pounds. That's rubbish. That's rubbish. It really is. So now you know that the entry level, and they say Barclay Square is over the road. Well, you're in your little one-bedroom flat. What difference does it make? Well, what's it? There could be a satellite tracking station over the road. It wouldn't make the slightest difference. But uh, research by the housing charity Shelter has found a typical salary in Hackney, East London, would need to increase by more than £100,000 just to keep pace with the rise in property values. Absolutely impossible, isn't it? The good thing that we're probably going to be discovering later on today is that property prices up north are so cheap you could literally probably commute. You know, it would be cheap, wouldn't it, to actually buy somewhere in Manchesterford. Paul was telling us yesterday how how cheap some of the, the property is out there. And that's why people do commute into London. I mean, I've never ceased to amaze me that I watch all these trains coming into just one station and every day there is just tonnes and tonnes of people who pour off them. Amazing. I tell you what, I watched the other day, I don't know if you've seen it, Undercover Boss. But they do them around the world. We've got it in this country. I think people must know when they... Somebody turns up in a bad wig and a pair of silly glasses, they go, I think that's the boss. It'll be Undercover Boss. And so they had a woman yesterday, Undercover Boss Canada. And she, her, her family owned a chain of restaurants, the Chinese restaurants, and it turned out there were all sorts of problems in there. There was one girl who was very young, and they've all got stories. It, it, it is a bit like watching The X Factor or Britain's Got Talent, where this, this, this young girl who was greeting people, hello, welcome to Mosiba or whatever it was it was called, and uh, she was only young and she loved it and she wanted to go to theme parks, and so the undercover boss, Mrs Chung or whatever her name was, in a very bad wig with a silly pair of glasses, and quite clearly nobody knew what the boss looked like, said, so, you know, so, do you live with your, your parents? No, she said, my mother died when I was 13. Uh, she was very ill, but she had uh, mental problems. And so I've had to look after myself. I was sort of with, with another family. and had to, So, of course, we, we almost had violins playing in the background for this undercover boss story. 
And in the end, when they sort of reveal themselves, they go, well, actually, I'm an undercover boss, and, you know, in the kitchen, I know it's very hot, but we're going to put fans in for you. And the cleaner, who had to go and clean the toilets, an elderly lady from Jamaica, they paid for a flight to go back home. It was cheap publicity for a restaurant chain. I thought, at the end of the day, she spent about $30,000, but you've got national coverage for your restaurant chain, which, to me, it looked like one of these fast food places. You go there, and it's eat as much as you like for $3 or something stupid. It was very, it was very good, actually. Very good, but I, I, I sat there and I did, I did have a tear. I don't know why. I, I tried not to, uh, tried not to have a tear, thinking I'm being manipulated. I'm afraid. Valentine's Day. Don't even get me started. I know that I will have heart-shaped chocolates delivered to me, and there'll be bunches of flowers and everything else, and I'll just have to look embarrassed in front of everybody as I walk out the building. And Courtney will be saying, you know, so you've got all these flowers. And you go, well, who are they from? I don't know. Just you know, admirers. And people will be sending me Valentine's cards with fifty-pound notes shoved in. They say, buy yourself something nice for Valentine's Day, Steve. Will you be my Valentine's? And every single one of them will lead back to the producer. And it'll be a case of, you know, what he's done, he's put them on his credit card. And it's sort of, it's a way of trying to make me believe that, uh, that I'm popular and, and sexy and desirable. Which, of course, I'm not. But if you, if you drink a bottle of, of wine, I'm very desirable. I promise you, I can actually it almost be a nice person. But you will be spending a fortune on Valentine's Day. You will be buying red roses in nightclubs, in bars with people wandering around sort of checkerboard dresses, uh, selling them to you and heart-shaped chocolates. And I brought in apples today, which are for Valentine's Day. I was going to give one to our newsreader this morning. Because, look, isn't that pretty? You like, lovely. Isn't that nice? You like that? Would you like that? I'd love it. There Thank you go. You. It's your, your own Valentine's Aww. apple. Pound. Uh, <laughs> if only we could get money out of people, it's not going to happen. But I thought, see, I think that's a romantic thing, and you know, an apple, because it's, it's quite, the kids can give them to, you know, at school and stuff like that. And you'll find them in, in greengrocers. I think they're sort of fairly available. Well, Western International Markets have got loads of them at the moment. And there'll be boxes of strawberries, which are heart-shaped, and people who give strawberries, because apparently strawberries are a sort of an aphrodisiac. Well, they've never worked for me. Don't forget, in half an hour, you'll hear from Emily Watson and Lucy Porter as they join me for In Conversation. But now, LBC News Time, it's 5.30. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with the best of Steve Allen. You're listening to the best of Steve Allen this Sunday morning on LBC. Coming up in half an hour, I'm in conversation with Emily Watson and Lucy Porter. But for now, my best bits. And this week, we were talking about my least favourite national card-giving event. We're up to the, uh, the 12th. Now, you've only got two days to go before you have to start saying to the loved ones, that'll be the one lying next to you, snoring, uh, I love you. You know, you have to say, I really love you. Uh, but unfortunately, it comes at a price. You can't just say, I love you, and get away with it. If it's, if it's little children, then you have to take mummy a breakfast tray and you have to put a daffodil in there, because daffodils are quite cheap. And if you're slightly older, well, there's a cacophony of stuff out there, isn't there? Everything from musical cards, uh, singing, you know, Oh, my love, my darling, I hunger for your touch. And then you have to play people that, and you're supposed to get romantic. But if you've been married anything more than ten years, why in God's name you'd want to get romantic? I can't imagine. There's no point in getting romantic, is there? R- romance is for sort of for those... For those sort of casual encounters, when you've had a skinful and you meet somebody, you go, I really love you. I really love you. But then you don't actually spend too much money on them. But sadly, couples now are going to get ripped off. I think every year you get ripped off. I never understand why you would ever buy a Valentine's card. You know, it's ridiculous. I get, I mean, I get, as you can imagine, I get flooded every year with Valentine's cards. And there's never a phone number or a photo. It's always just a big cross in there. So I'm assuming Malcolm X. I mean, I'm not thinking anything else at all. I'm just thinking, perhaps Malcolm X is sending me a card. Perhaps he's really interested. I don't know. But most of you will go out to the card shops, to Clinton's and to all these other places, W.H. Smith, and there'll be a bewildering array of some of the naffest cards I've ever seen in my entire life. And they're not cheap. For a bit of fold-over paper and cardboard, two and a half quid is on average. And all it is is a heart, and it goes, I love you. Actually, I, 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 have a, I have a poem for you. Nothing to do with Valentine's Day. It's just actually a nice poem that was sent in to me yesterday. And, and occasionally we, we have a few. We have a, a licensed black taxi driver in London, and he, he sends in uh, poems for us. Michael sends in poems. This, this particular one is actually, is actually quite, a, quite a nice one, and it's quite gentle. I'm, I'm, I'll come back to... You'll notice on this poem we do wander. We wander a little bit. Um, and I, I, I try not to wander too much. Try not to wander too much. This, this, is a, this is a poem that we can all relate to. I think you have to be over a certain age, OK? I remember the cheese 
of my childhood and the bread that we cut with a knife when the children helped with the housework and the men went to work, not the wife. The cheese never needed a fridge and the bread was so crusty and hot. The children were seldom unhappy and the wife was content with her lot. I remember the milk from the bottle with the yummy cream on the top. Our dinner came hot from the oven and not from the fridge in the shop. The kids were a lot more contented. They didn't need money for kicks, just a game with their mates on the road and sometimes the Saturday flicks. I remember the shop on the corner when a penneth of sweets was sold. Do you think I'm a bit too nostalgic or is it I'm getting too old? I remember the loo was the lav and the bogeymen came in in the night. It wasn't the least bit funny going out there with no light. The interesting items we perused from the newspapers cut into squares and hung on a peg in the loo. It took a little to keep us amused. The clothes were boiled in the wash house with plenty of rich foamy suds, but the ironing seemed never-ending as Mum pressed everyone's duds. I remember the slap on my backside and the taste of snow soap, if I swore. Anorexia and diets weren't heard of and we hadn't much choice what we wore. Do you think that bruised our ego or our initiative was destroyed? We ate what was put on the table and I think life was better enjoyed. It's true. We have everything now. We absolutely have everything. So that, that took us back to a, to a better time. When I seem to remember when I was a little bit younger, being 39, you know, when I say a little bit younger, probably 10 years ago, when I was still kind of doing Valentine's Day, and you would go out and you look at... But now I look, I look at the price of flowers and I think, this is so expensive. And then you look at the flat, and then they go, and here is a lovely bouquet, three pounds. And you think, well, that's even insulting somebody, isn't it? So I think enough of you to buy you a bunch of flowers from Morrison's for three quid or whoever it is. And then people go, but that's, you know, people don't want to spend too much on it. But there will be restaurants. And as we said on the programme the other day, there'll be a lot of restaurants offering a Valentine's Day meal. It might be oysters as an aphrodisiac. But to be honest with you, if you're over the age of 35, you don't want an aphrodisiac, do you? The idea that they're going to start pouring you when you climb into bed. I'm sorry. Get off. Don't... Stop it. You don't want that kind of thing, do you? You know, I'm more than happy to sit there reading my book with a cup of cocoa and some chips. Dunking them in the salt in my navel. You know, I like that kind of thing. I'm not remotely interested in all this hanky-panky in the bedroom. Apart from the fact trying to take your at nighty off is not the easiest, is it? I mean, I wear them quite well, but, I mean, for some people, they're obviously not very good with them. And some of those... And you just say, I'm not... Seriously, it's too... I'm not... Leave it alone. You know, that's the kind of thing you have to put up with nowadays. But you do, I think, get ripped off. Champagne. I mean, for example, for somebody to be... I mean, there will be, won't there? If you work in an office, there will be that girl in the office who has a huge bouquet delivered. And she'll... And everybody will be going, I really am pleased for you hate the bitch. You know, that's what people be saying. She'll be sitting on the train with the biggest bunch of flowers you've ever seen. You'll be thinking, he really hates you. Sometimes they'll have sent them to themselves. That's what, that's what people do now. They send flowers to themselves. But the, but the prices go up for Valentine's Day. You pay more for Valentine's Day. I always say to somebody, you know, if I was thinking of sending flowers for Valentine's Day, listen, wait till tomorrow, they'll be cheaper. It's like Christmas. As far as I'm concerned, Christmas starts 1st of January. There's no point in wasting money before Christmas because they're going to reduce the, the, the price of things. At the moment, you know, I'm into... I'm, I buy people as a present for their birthdays. Perhaps something like, you know, some cheeses or something like that or some, some, uh, some Prosecco. Any, anything like that. that it's, I don't want to spend too much money because I have to work out in my mind. I mean, are they tax deductible? I don't, I don't want to appear to be mean and the producer thinks he's tax deductible which of course sadly he's not and it's his birthday coming up in august so i've got between now and august to try and save up to either get some you know some licorice bonbons or something like that i don't want to spend too much money because if you spend too much money then it just looks a bit tacky so what what i tend to do i find things in the office you know that people have left here and i tend to sort of re-gift it you know, the fact it's been sent to all at the LBC news desk, you know, from all of us. So it's neither here nor there. I scrub that bit off. I rip off labels and I repackage it. And he thinks I bought it. Because I'm like that. It's not that I mean. It's just that he's not tax deductible. And I don't know whether or not for Valentine's Day he'll be taking his girlie out for a pizza. or so Because there will be heart-shaped pizzas you can buy. You'll be going to Pizza Express or Pizza And I'm sure they'll do something to do with Valentine's Day. Because everywhere you go, you can buy it. I mean, the cost of some Valentine's essentials does fall. Champagne prices, they say, should drop and perfume will drop in price. Why would you buy perfume for Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day is that opportunity to say to the person that you've been sleeping with for the past 15 years, I really love you. But you don't really, do you? It's a case of you become content with each other. That, that's, what it, that's what it comes down to. And, I mean, there are apparently 364 better dating days in the year. 
you know, you don't need to just have that one day where you say to somebody, I love you. That would be a bit pointless. But you will do it. You will go out and you will buy the cards and you will buy the chocolates and you will buy... I think Marks and Spencer's and every other supermarket under the sun is doing a Valentine's meal. I think Waitrose Heston Blumenthal is doing a 20 quid meal. 20 quid. That's, that's, what, that's what the price of love is nowadays. 20 quid? I mean, I'm tempted to do the joke about the bunch of flowers and the man taking them home, but I thought, no, not on this programme. Maybe not this early in the day. In Blackpool, they've heard it, but uh, everybody else will have just have to, to wait for it. But that's what it is. It comes down to the fact that you give it, the next day you've forgotten about it. By the weekend, don't, don't buy tulips. Lovely though they look, tulips drop. You know, they'll be upright. A bit like my Aunt Enid again and my Uncle Wilf. It's, uh, you know, the, the tulips are up, you know, for the first sort of day, and then by the next day they've just collapsed completely. So what you have to do with tulips and gerberas is you have to wire them. You get a piece of uh, florist wire and you twist it round it so it keeps it erect. And so it's, it's there as a reminder. And so you buy people flowers. Traditionally, it's roses. I don't know why it's roses. There's much nicer flowers. And also, you know, the free trade roses, lovely though they are, they're not what I call old-fashioned English roses. A good bunch, and there will be, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, tomorrow in some of the newspapers, you'll be reading stories of, this is what a £100 buys you. And they'll go to various top-class florists, people who've served the royal family, people who serve celebrity. You know, nothing worse than a celebrity florist. There used to be this real camp guy on the television who used to flower. I mean, frankly, I've never seen anybody as camp till I saw Rylan dragging his weary carcass. Up until then, we thought it was just half of, of Ryanair. But it turns out that celebrity florists are the people who go, oh, yes, and the royal family make my... And it's all very pretty. It's all very nice, but at a price. You want to send a dozen roses to somebody from a top florist in London, you could pay, you know, for really good quality English roses, £100, £150. So if somebody sends you a really nice... I think buy somebody an orchid. You can get them from between about 10 and 20 quid. And they seem to last... They're they're practically indestructible. You can't kill these blooming things. They seem to go forever and a day. If you're going to be spending money on Valentine's Day, or if you're one of these bar humbugs... Because I think the majority of you would be, will be bar humbug. Not because you don't love the person that you're with, but because you think, is it kind of worth it? You know, is it actually worth it? Is it actually worth spending that sort of money? A bottle of champagne, a box of chocolates, you know, a meal for t- a romantic meal for two. I mean, lovely though it is, most people in restaurants sit there staring at themselves. They've got nothing to talk about. I've lost count of the amount of times I have sat in lovely restaurants... And and pe- people have got no conversation. People have got no conversation at all. And I always think, come on, you must have something to say. And the truth of the matter is you haven't. In your mind, you're probably thinking, what shall I say? I think if you, if you want to show somebody how, how romantic... Some people whisk people off on holiday, don't they? They take them away and they, they say, right, I'm going to whisk you to Paris, because apparently Paris is romantic. It's a dump. Don't go there. Paris is awful. You go there, you're pestered by beggars and people doing the three-card trick. Around every single, every single tourist attraction in Paris, beggars. It's the most awful place I've ever been to. Food is the most overpriced. Rubbish. They all smell of garlic. Everybody smells of garlic. If you're listening in Paris, hello, love you. And, um, and it's, that's it. But people think it's a romantic break. Doing something romantic is saying, you can have that 50 quid to go and buy that frock you like the other day. That's romantic. You know, coming home with a box of chocolates and a, and a bottle of champagne and an overpriced card. Because what do they do with the card? They open it up and they go, oh, nice card. And you go, right. And you think, that cost me £3, that card. But nobody ever appreciates it. That's why I say this year, think very, very carefully about Valentine's Day and the cost. It's just not worth it. Let's take a quick break. When we're back, we dig through the horoscopes, but not necessarily in a serious way. This is LBC. This is LBC with the best of Steve Allen. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Earlier this week, one of my favourite paper reviewers was in the building. I like Michael Portillo because he, he does a good train programme on the television. It's a great opportunity for us, us Jessies down south, to actually see just how beautiful the countryside is up north. It's beautiful. Some of it's beautiful. I really must one day, I must take a train journey. I must go on some of these train journeys that Michael Portillo does and just go up the country and have a look at some of these places. I want to go to Harrogate. I really, really want to go to Harrogate. You know, that is, that, that's the kind of place that I think is, is my sort of place to go to. It's got Betty's Tea Room. It's got 
It's a seaside place, isn't it, Harrogate, from what I remember. And I just fancy seeing some of that nice Victorian architecture, which is good. Gary says, it's, uh, you say you live in a flat, but it sounds like you live in a house with a garden and patio. Well, you know, I, mean, I, don't, I don't like to brag, but the lottery win kind of helped some years ago. Uh, Michelle reckons that Ronan Keating's taking over from Gary Barlow. He can't. It's not physically possible. He's doing the Australian version. How can he do them both? He can't fly backwards and forwards. As it is, he's obviously put his musical career on hold. And I don't think Ronan Keating and Louis Walsh would work on the same panel. For the simple reason that uh, Louis Walsh can't stand Ronan Keating. Why would they... They wouldn't, they wouldn't put that, that, that two together as well. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. But, I mean, I'm, will, I'm willing to be proved wrong. Willing to be proved wrong. Which, of course, uh, I have been on a... On, on, on various things. Uh, love the new orchestral jingle, says Chris Reardon. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. I knew you would, actually. I, I, I just can't get used to how many people there are sitting in the studio staring at me. There's a lot of people over the age of 75 with a violin in their hands and a cello. And every so often you sort of get them bursting forth, which is very nice indeed. And I was talking to a lady yesterday. I was standing... Well, I say standing. I was sheltering, sheltering from the from the rain and the wind in Twickenham, just off the high street, standing in the fruit and veg shop, thinking it can't get any worse, can it? And a lady came in, and she was fairly elderly, with her daughter, and had a little, a little kid as well with him who was clutching a balloon she'd picked up in a bank. They were giving away free pink balloons. and she'd, she picked up two, but she'd lost one, poor little soul. And, and, and the old lady was saying, oh, she said, I've got to go back to my, my house later. She said, I'm a bit worried about all the trees that she's got in the back garden, because you heard on the news with Rupert Bartier, that man who lost his life, the 70-year-old, he went out there, and a tree collapsed, and he lost his life there. And she was saying, the worst thing is, she said, I've got no insurance, which is exactly what I said on the programme the other day, for all those poor people who do not have insurance. It's not, not a good time. You can't, and apparently, one leading insurance company told me yesterday, they've got loads of people who are going there to try and get insurance now. I don't think so. Anyway, I was looking at the star signs. We were going through our local London paper the other day. And occasionally I like to look at the star signs to see, see, see what it says about your life and how applicable it is. And uh, we did find one here. Who, who, who's Aquarius? Is Aquarius... Is that you? It's J- James is Aquarius. James is Aquarius. And it says here, James, it says, The moon's link with Uranus <coughs> suggests you'll be in the mood for excitement. Bit difficult to tell, but I'm sure it is. Exploring social options could make for a new friend or even a romantic surprise. How's that? It's either me or Podrag. We can't work out which. <laughs> I love the idea. Do how many people believe in these stars? I looked at mine, but it says, see, on my one, it says, if you're hopeful a friendship could turn into something more interesting, there's no guarantee just yet. In other words, I'm kind of nearly there, but not, not there. However... If your intuitive awareness is giving you green lights, maybe it's time to consider a move as long as you give it thought. What does that mean? What does that mean? The answer is, you know, I mean, I can say, I mean, I, I, can, I can run through the star signs. If you're Aries, an envelope you don't want to receive arrives... To, I'm making this up. An envelope you don't want to receive arrives on your mat today. Taurus... Today, you receive an unexpected phone call. I'm making these up, OK? I don't want you to believe it. Gemini, your lucky lucky lottery number is 32. 32. Cancer, a real bad day for you. A real bad day. Lose your job. Uh, Leo, (laughs) making them all up. Uh, Leo, uh, if you feel relaxed today, it's your shortcomings. Be on and be aware at the moment. Virgo. You're still not going to be getting any. Libra. <laughs> it's like Virgin. I was, what, was that, what was that great line we heard earlier on? And I said, I must use that on the programme. I can't remember what the line was. There was a very funny line about Blackpool. Was it somebody came up with a funny line about Blackpool? And I said, I'm going to weave that into the programme today. No, it wasn't you, but the producer thinks it was him. He's not come up with a funny line since 1874. <laughs> it was funny in 1874. Unfortunately, it's not really relevant today because he was doing a funny line about steam trains and uh, Robert Louis Stevenson and Treasure Island and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, it is a beautiful place, says Dominic. He says, my wife and I go quite often. Well, I'm also known to go quite often. Oh, I see, to, to um, going up to Harrogate. And another one here says, uh, I do love Harrogate. I'm not sure it's by the sea. No, the, well, I mean, that's what the producer thinks. He thinks Harrogate's by the sea. I mean, I ask you. 
That's what I'm working with. That's the kind of level, ladies and gentlemen, that I've sunk to. It's basically the Thames, he says. He's from Cambridge. Uh, you're right, says Jas. The council's nowhere to be seen in Raysbury. The community are asking for sand to be delivered. The SWAT charity team made one phone call to timber merchants in Heston, Middlesex, and they're donating 20 tonnes of the sand today, uh, today which will be delivered free of charge. Why can't the local council get local haulage companies? Where are the council? Is it because they're all hiding? All these little councillors are trying to shore up their own homes. I said yesterday, if I lived in Raysbury and Shepparton, all round there, where you haven't seen the council, you've seen the army, some of you, and you've seen politicians, and you've seen loads of film crews and radio presenters, what you haven't seen is the council coming round. They're always the first ones to go, oh, Pat, do you think we should grit the roads? Well, it's winter, dear, I don't know, what do you reckon? Grit the roads, don't grit the roads. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. It really is. We must be the only country that's behaving like a third-world country. We're only looking for sand in bags. We're not looking for anything complicated. Just deliver it. Supply a load of... There's not a world shortage of Hessian bags, is there? I mean, if necessary, you know, go and deliver sand to somewhere that is dry, dump a load of bags there and let people fill them up themselves. But do something, for God's sake. Sit there like a bunch of prize Nellies. It must be really frustrating. Uh, Noreen says, uh, into the... Songwriters Hall of Fame inducted Graham Goulden, who wrote Pamela, Pamela, Remember the Day. For Your Love, No Milk Today, my favourite song of all time, No Milk Today, big hit. Uh, Ray Davis and Donovan, who I served on the post office counter in 19-something or other. Those were the days of great music. But great to hear, she says, from so many new listeners yesterday. Really great. I hope that everybody, she says, survived the truly dreadful weather. Very bad in Blackpool, according to the weather forecast, as well as, of course, in the Thames area. The West Country Wales, awful for everybody. I've decided to cheer myself up every morning. I go to YouTube and play Only Boys Aloud. And I get them singing Sospan Far, or I download them from their appearance at the Queen's special Jubilee concert. Uh, which they had, and only boys allowed appeared. They did three nights, three three lots of standing ovations. Brilliant. And I've always maintained that if ever I win the lottery, please God soon, uh, if I win the lottery before I die, that'd be nice, you know, if there is a God and he's listening, um, then I will bring them down to London and we'll put them on at the Royal Albert Hall. Because I think everybody deserves to have a bit of community singing, I think. David in Kendall in Cumbria says, it's nowhere near the Sea Harrogate. I oh, know, don't tell me, tell the producer. He, apparently, he got a B-plus in geography. A B-plus? You didn't get a B-plus. Didn't do geography, did you? Well, you must have done something. You must have realised how the tectonic plates work and all that kind of stuff. Didn't you do anything like that? What school did you go to, for goodness? I mean, what did they teach you? Was it an approved school? A very approved school. Were there other children maybe in handcuffs there? Did the police visit on a regular basis? Ridiculous, isn't it? Honestly, well, that's not knowing that Harrogate's nowhere near the sea. <laughs> I knew that. So somebody said, read the Albert Hall as Lord Andre of Caring. Loves his kids. Uh, played his show yet. He's, he's front page of OK magazine again, for no reason. He hasn't done anything apart from probably blown his nose and gone to the toilet since the last time we mentioned poor old Peter Andre, but he's there. Anna says, Harrogate's not by the sea. Do not tell me this. I know it's the producer who needs educating, but he didn't do geography. Nowhere near the coast, says D. It's north of Leeds and west of York. And Sheila says, I think Paul Daniels was there to give support because his house uh, is flooded. It was badly flooded last time, too. Yeah, but I mean, the last thing the people of Staines want, leave the balloons. Don't touch the balloons, all right? Just leave them. What's the matter with people around here trying to pinch balloons? He, did, he was trying to get that balloon in his pocket. We've got these huge LBC silver balloons. He's obviously got some sort of, obviously got some buyer on the outside or something willing to buy them. Or failing that, he's decided to take a balloon class all by himself. He's one of these people, I think, if, if he managed to find out how to get the helium out of it, he'd be talking like Donald Duck, I should imagine. Yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you? You look like a reject from a lower low at the moment. I don't know why. You look as though, I shall say this only once. Because <laughs> he's got his collar, we know, he's got his, his big coat with the, with the collar turned up. Which is, like, I used to do that years ago, but I thought, pretentious? Why? I don't think so. Uh, anything else? Um, somebody says, uh, oh, Kevin the Milkman says, as I'm paid commission only, I really do not encourage the playing of the Herman's Hermit song, No Milk Today. It was my all-time favourite. It was my all-time favourite. In fact, together with the Kinks' Days, which I loved, thank you for the days, those endless days, those sacred days you gave me. That I love as well. And Phil says, Harrogate's not a seaside place unless the floods have come in a long way. Read Paul Daniels, maybe his Thameside... House has floated to stains. <laughs> yes, the last time he got flooded, he was on the on the television. 
So I, I, perhaps, they, perhaps they couldn't get down to him, and they said to him, can you make it up the river to Staines? Because I used to live in Staines many, many years ago. Moved from Staines to Twickenham. It's a, it's a hop, sh- hop, skip and a jump, ladies and gentlemen, to actually make it. But looking at the pictures of the papers today, it's, uh, it's awful. Uh, 108 mile an hour winds causing power cuts, shutting the motorways. Still people bombing down the motorways. I don't quite understand it. But yesterday I did get the car washed. Strange though it might seem, in this wind and rain, I thought it was so dirty. It was so dirty. The wheels were so filthy. I thought I'll spend the money and get the car washed. So when it rains again, it just sort of washes the new dirt off it, which is good. Now in London... Probably the same as in Glasgow and Edinburgh and Manchester and Leeds and Bradford and Birmingham and everything else. The problem is, if you're parking a van and you're trying to get out there and do deliveries and things like that, there is always an overzealous traffic warden. They're obviously either on commission, they are the people that we love to hate. I personally would love to be a traffic warden. Because yesterday, uh, I, I I came down... I came back from, from work and there was a car parked halfway in our drive, halfway in the drive, with the indicators on and a woman sitting behind. I couldn't see who she was. And there's a woman sitting behind there and on the side of it, it said Hounslow Coachworks. Hounslow's a little little hick town just down the road from, from us. We try not to have too much to do with it. Anyway, and so it's, and she's obviously, I thought she's either parked up to go shopping or she's broken down. As it turned out, she'd broken down because every so often she went and it wouldn't start. No, no flooding, nothing like that. So she's parked the car there. And so I'm standing there, I'm on the phone to a friend of mine, and uh, she, as opposed to getting out of the car and pushing it so that people can get in and out of a car park, she just sits there. Eventually she gets out and she's wearing lycra. She's obviously one of these people who's fit, she goes jogging. Because <sighs> she's wearing tight, tight lycra leggings kind of thing and a little top. She, she's dressed for jogging and she's obviously taken her car in for servicing and they've given her a courtesy car, which has broken down. So somebody obviously comes and says something to her and says, you know, I'd like to push it back into this space. Now I'm waiting for the tow truck, blah, blah, blah. So a little bit later on, uh, I go off to do some shopping, get a cup of coffee, come back and the car's still there. But this time it's reversed back. It's reversed back. And I thought they've obviously put a note on the windscreen saying broken down, waiting for tow truck. She is nowhere to be seen. But lo and behold, what has appeared in the window is a disabled badge. Now, for those people who know me of old, I have an absolute hatred of people who misuse the blue badge, the disabled badge. There's thousands. And yet they won't give me one. Well, those were my best bits from the week on LBC. I'll be back tomorrow morning live at four. So I look forward to talking to you then. Don't forget, you can download all the podcasts from the LBC website. Go to lbc.co.uk and you can always follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Coming up next time, in conversation with Emily Watson and Lucy Porter. So make sure you stay tuned for that. From LBC, this is Steve Allen and that's next.